Hi there, look, time for our ref reflection this week, and it's the Psalms again, this time Psalm 73, and uh, you really do need to be able to see it, because I'm basically, all I'm going to do is, is read it with you. Uh, for those of you that uh, saw my little chat last week, um, it was built around Ed White, uh, the astronaut, who um, was given a little gun that went pss, 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 and he could... In his spacewalk, he could just orient himself, but it ran out in a couple of minutes. <laughs> and most of the spacewalk, he, he just felt like a fool on the end of a string. And, um, you know, some of, us, some of us may have felt like that, tethered to a mother ship, but like a bit of a fool floating around on the edge of a string. So many are saying to me, you know, the Psalms have just been such a rich, rich resource in these times. And Psalm 73 is a psalm of Asaph, and I like Asaph. I think, uh, I think Asaph got quite a few things and was quite good at kind of hanging it out there. But look, let's look at it together. Psalm 73. He starts off in this uh, pretty kind of together pious position with his eyes on God. <laughs> he says, surely God is good. Big picture. You know, surely God is good to Israel. The big picture. And then he narrows it down. Surely God is good to those who are pure in heart. It's a lovely phrase, isn't it? And you can think of people in your life and you think, yeah, you know, they're a pure heart. Um, we know from Matthew chapter 5 and the Beatitudes that uh, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. It's kind of their, their or orientation, their understanding. But after that opening line of sort of, you know, pious, divine, looking to God, um, you know, who will care in, for Israel and um, will open himself to those who are pure in heart. He then flips in the second verse straight away and he says, as for me, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. Now, who can't remember a time, sometime, somewhere, where you are on a roof or on a rock ledge or somewhere where it was a bit mossy or wet or damp underfoot and you thought to yourself, what am I doing here? How did I get here? And the worst thing about it is you're actually still alive, but you know you could die. There's nothing like uh, that sort of feeling and uh, of kind of uh, self-inflicted foolishness in hindsight. My feet had almost slipped. I'd almost lost my foothold. You know, you're walking down a, a path and it turns a bit muddy and you have one of those zoop, but you don't fall over things and you go, oh boy, that was, that was lucky. Now, why had Asaph's uh, uh, slipping foothold losing, you know, what was it? Uh, that, it, that, that meant that he's, uh, he'd nearly slipped. It was that he'd turned his mind to the, to the arrogant. He'd taken his eyes off verse 1 and he'd turned his eyes uh, in verse 3. I had envied the arrogant. And in his little mind, he'd started to think in verse 4, they don't have any struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from burdens. They're not plagued like I am 
with human ills. And Asaph starts to look in. He looks out at the arrogant and then he starts to look in at himself. He sees that pride uh, is their necklace. And um, they just seem, these guys, to do whatever they like and it works out okay. And I love verse 9. Asaph says, They make claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. In other words, they have everything that they want in every direction. Or at least that's how Asaph feels that their lives are. And this is the cause of his feet beginning to slip. Because what Asaph notices in verse 10 is everyone turns their attention to people like that. Therefore, people turn to them and drink their waters in abundance. You know, they've got 10 million Instagram followers and they're all over Snapchat and they're thin and beautiful and wear the right clothes and never seem to have any struggles. And Asaph observes that these people, these prideful, arrogant people, they then become theologians as well. They start to speak in the world for God. And they say things like, how can God know? What does God know about anything? You look at my life. My life indicates that I know at least as much, if not more, than God. Does the Most High, in verse 11, have any knowledge? And then Asaph stops and says, well, this is what the wicked are like. They're carefree. <laughs> they don't seem to have any money worries. And then the crunch comes. So maybe I've wasted my time keeping my heart pure. Remember the pure in hearted? They get to see God. And Asaph has looked somewhere else and lost sight of the possibility that the pure in heart see God. Surely, he says, surely, sure that I've been vain and stupid, keeping my heart pure, keeping myself innocent. Because when I look at my circumstance in verse 14, I've been plagued and punished circumstantially all day long from morning to night. And then he sets about trying to understand it. And none of it makes any sense of him. It's unjust. It's not fair. Until the key verse of this psalm. It's verse 17. He says, Until I entered the sanctuary of God. Here's the challenge for you and me today and every day. The world is always going to look like a mixed bag of lollies. Until... I enter the sanctuary of God. And you've got to understand that in the Old Testament, they really did have a view that God dwelt amongst them. 
and uh, the temple was the place where God dwelt. It had the Holy of Holies, it had the Ark of the Covenant. Once a year they would go into the sanctuary, the very presence of God. And so this dwelt in their minds. But for we as Christians, we see that with the coming of Jesus, uh, the sanctuary of God became a person. And the sanctuary of God was realised, you know, that saving sanctuary of God was realised through suffering and death and miraculous resurrection. That whole process that Jesus went through for all his friends and all who observed him was really just totally disorienting and terrifying. This was the place where they had to bow, bow the knee as it were, to go through the little locked door at the foot of the cross to find themselves in the presence of God. So now, you know, it's impossible to understand, but in a sense, we've become the temple of God. The, the very Godness of God by his spirit lives in us. Not only are we the sanctuary of God, but God is intimate, personal, loving, benevolent, kind, compassionate, and incredibly close till I entered the sanctuary of God then I understood then I understood I understood their destiny but more importantly I understood mine I understood that they were on slippery ground I understood that ruin was close by for them I understood that destruction is for those whose hearts don't seek the purity of the God who loves them. I understood how quickly we can be swept away and they could be swept away. How fantasies are just that. And although Asaph's spirit is embittered by looking at them, he then sees how senseless and ignorant his thinking was by raising them up and taking his eyes off the one who dwells in the temple, the one whose temple you and I are, the very spirit of God, the same spirit that was in Christ Jesus who loved us and gave himself for us. So his bitterness shifts from his time in the sanctuary of God. And he declares in verse 23, I am with you. You hold me, you guide me, and you will take me into glory. There's more to finish, but it's beautiful, isn't it? And this is the whole orientation of life together under the living God. His final declaration is, Wow, it is good to be near God, isn't it? It really is. Bless you this day. Prayers with you. Amen.